Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the One Deeper podcast. So, how does AI actually meet the road? Where are the applications? What's being built? I know it's all around us. We hear about it all the time. And I want to talk to some people who might actually be involved with the development and execution of some of these applications that use some of the AI tools that we develop and some of the things you've heard talk about in this podcast recently and you will hear a lot more about them later on as well so i speak to Ralph and Willem who have a AI consultancy and they solve very interesting problems using different AI techniques and i just wanted to see how the rubber meets the road i hope you learned something interesting i hope to talk to a few more people in the industry who are working with AI tools and i hope it serves as a starting point for your own ideas and own projects and your path forward so please enjoy all right we're live what's up boys uh Thank you for uh, joining me Monday morning. I know you have better shit to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to um managed to uh, to convince you to join me here. So, before I in- introduce you, I just wanted to be, for people who are listening, this is going to be very different from the usual uh episode that we have because usually I talk to like very academics like we just talk about like very nitty-gritty academic stuff which is like most people don't even care about. But this is like a, my attempt to sort of see what's happening in the industry and talk to like tech people who are working in businesses starting their own businesses you know just like get that ball rolling as well anyway so today i have ralph and willem from dedication um do you guys want to okay I, i mean i don't know like you guys can just you can do the you can introduce yourself um willem you want to go first yeah sure 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 okay so my name is willem van der feest um uh, i'm uh 34 years old i live in uh veldhoven which is very close to uh, eindhoven uh, so the brainport region um i'm work as a data scientist i'm already there for uh i don't know 80 years or so um i in the beginning of my career i re- worked for multiple consulting companies did a lot of different projects which i really enjoyed uh from from well uh insurance companies to truck manufacturers and everything in between so uh a lot of different industries which was really really interested interesting and uh learned a lot from it uh a few years ago i decided to start working f- uh for my own as a self-employed employee uh and um yeah did some some cool project mainly in the field of computer vision nice uh and since uh, uh i think nine months or so i work for dedication uh which uh where it off will uh probably uh, tell a bit more about in uh, in a minute uh and i'm still focusing fo- uh yeah uh focusing on uh, on computer vision uh, projects there nice ralph cool yeah i take over so my name is ralph Zitka. i'm 26 years old I was also born in Veldhoven, uh, which is now famous because of uh, ASML. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Well, uh, yeah, ASML, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was wondering, I was like, I've heard of this place before. Like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I moved to Maastricht, where I did my uh, my bachelor, my masters in econometrics, 
a lot of uh, mathematics and a bit of economics uh, is this study about. Uh, I worked for like three years as a data scientist. Wait, you were you were not at Tilburg? Neither of you, neither of you were at Tilburg. No, no. no How no. did okay? So the first, <laughs> hold on. The first time I, the first time I met Ralph was like I met him. He was at Tilburg for some for the, for some presentation during like one of our classes. How did that happen? Yeah, it's important to be present at a lot of universities. Yeah, a former colleague uh, used to study. He, he did the cognitive science and AI masters in in Tilburg. Okay. And I think it's a really, really good master. So, uh, yeah, I had the opportunity to speak there, to do an introduction about dedication, to speak about dedication. Nice. Um, to, to the bachelor students, I think. And I think it was you then. Yeah, 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 exactly. It was me. I, like, I can't remember what, which class it was, but it was one of our classes and uh, I spoke to you afterwards. Oh, um, so both of you, like, what did you guys study in university? Both of you did, like, data science stuff or, like, watch the... Uh, yeah, so... Uh, Ralf did his uh, yeah, math, yeah, you can say. Yeah, I, I did econometrics, so uh, it's, yeah, I think it's like 80% of mathematics. Right. Um, and yeah, I started in 2015. There were, in the masters, there were some data courses, uh, big data analysis, um, but most of it is linear algebra um, analysis, right. analysis to probability theory. Um, but there's also time series, for example. So uh, there are some some data, big data courses. Uh, yeah, I I remember like last year, last year when I was looking for an internship, I I was interviewed by uh, a couple of banks, um, who but 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 in the end they decided to go with like one uh, uh, like I remember one one bank called me back. They were like, man, we we, we like we really like your uh, like profile, but. This this other guy who did who has done econometrics specifically, so like we're gonna go with him. I'm like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Makes sense. But there's a lot of overlap. Like there's a lot of like um, there's a lot of stuff that we learn in AI and uh, uh, which is which which maps really well to uh, econometrics and then vice versa. Do a lot of econometric stuff and you know people do a lot of AI stuff in that as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think like uh, in, for mainly in the bachelors, there is a lot of mathematics and a lot of theoretical uh, stuff in the for econometrics regarding econometric in the master it gets a bit more practical but i think like the cognitive science and ai you already do a lot of programming in python you train your your own models so i, I think it's really more a practical study than yeah econometric stuff. i think uh, like our program in particular you can sort of like you so the first year, first year, first first and second year is very everyone does the same kind of thing, but even though everyone does the same subjects, I find that people gravitate towards certain directions. Like some people are very interested in the cognitive science, like psychology, the uh, neuro neurobiology, neuro neuropsychology side, and there's some people who are just like straight up, just they, they, all they want to do is write code. They want to build models. They want to like, like so. I'm like I'm I'm somewhere towards that spectrum because like I, I'm much more interested in the, uh, the uh, computational side. So towards the towards the, on the third year when you get to do your minor and pick your own courses, you find a huge like variation. So people are just like that differentiation that started out in the first year or so gets really wide. Uh, in the second, in the, in the third year, when people pick their minors, you see them. People, th a lot of people doing like just some people doing just straight up biology, like just like uh, like 
neurobiology stuff like that some people doing straight up psychology and then people like me who just like went all in on the programming so software engineering data science and stuff like that um cool so you so okay Willem, what did you study? Yeah, so I uh, did a, a bachelor in uh, business administration mm-hmm. um, and then did a, a post-master afterwards in, uh, at the Erasmus University in uh, data science and AI. And uh, I think, uh, I st- well, the, the time that I studied was already like six, seven, eight years ago or so. So it feels like I'm already a bit old. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, at that time, there was there wasn't so much attention or, or uh, so much studies on on AI or so. So um, I, I I learned most of the skills and of the knowledge via uh, Coursera oh, and sure. via that, that's that kind I mean, of, uh, dude, that's like even now, even now, even even now that like it's such a mainstream thing, like in a way. Most of the things that I've learned is like I've done so yeah, many yeah. Coursera stuff, so many yeah, like yeah, yeah. U- uh, Udacity and uh, indeed, uh, um, like they're just like it's just great. Like there's there's something about this subject that really works with that sort of format. I don't know what it is. Like it's just easy to learn stuff like that. Instead, yeah, of, yeah. instead, of, instead of sitting in a lecture for like three hours, you know. <laughs> Sometimes kind of, you fall asleep half halfway, but uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's weird. Like for for a lot of the courses. It's like I get the syllabus from the course and I get, so I know what I need to study and just go and find my own material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really, uh, well, good time to be alive now, isn't it? Because all the knowledge is so much oh, uh, sure. distributed. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah, there's so many. Data Camp, Data Academy. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so many resources. And, and for anyone who's listening, like if you want to do a course on Coursera, you can pretty much do any course for free. All yeah. you have to do is like click the financial aid button and then you just email them and say, here's why I want to do this. And like, yeah. like they have a little form you fill. And like the, basically the point is anyone who wants it can get it. Yeah. There's a two week waiting period. So like just to like get people to pay, pay for it if they want to pay for it. Uh, but other than that, if you want to do a co- anything on Coursera, like you can just like find financial aid button there on the course page, click it, fill the form. And then two weeks they'll approve it, and then you can do whatever you want, and then and then yeah. you get the certificate and stuff like that. <laughs> but one hope, hopefully, like one day I'll be able. I'm I'm probably gonna like pay for the uh, the annual uh, Coursera Plus. You pay up like four hundred bucks, you get access to everything. You can yeah, do yeah, yeah. all the work. That's like that's something I want to do. Anyway, all right, so that's a complete uh, tangent. But uh, <laughs> I think you find that it'll happen quite a lot. Just random tangents, right? <laughs> okay, so. You both went to work for other people before you started your own, went into your own uh, thing, right? So after graduation, you work for, for for companies. Uh, do you guys want to talk about like what kind of work you guys did before you decided to go off on your own? Yeah, sure. So um, I I started working at a company called Mensis, which is a health insurance company, and I. To be honest, I didn't have a clue uh, when I started working on uh, what I wanted to do, actually. So I just uh, applied for a position as a data analyst by uh, at the Menzies. And I remember the time that I went to the uh, application and I read uh, one last time through the through all the, well, the description, etc. And I still didn't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought okay i like working with data and i'm like a bit rational um so so i i, I just 
I thought I thought I'd just go to that application and let's see what happens. And uh, yeah, at the end of the conversation, the manager told me, uh, Willem, uh, we still officially we have to do a second round, but I never had an application like this. So <laughs> you're you're uh, yeah, you, you will definitely get the job. And I also was was really enthusiastic about it. And then I just started working, and uh, I learned a lot from did all kind of courses and. Uh, yeah, uh, I had, had a great time over there, but then after a few years, I I wanted to do something else, and I want to uh, broaden my horizon, and then I uh, started working for consulting companies. Nice, nice, nice. So what's it? So like, what's it like? So that was, so your consulting was mostly data science stuff or like analysis yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So you go. So what is the like life of a consultant like? Um, yeah, what I what I really like is that um, you 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 be surrounded with people in the consulting company who also are focusing solely on on your topic. So that's data science in my, data science in my case. So there are a lot of experts where you can learn a lot from. So that that's definitely a, a big plus compared with working for uh, yeah like other industries so if you work as a data scientist for for example a, um, an insurance company or so there are not so much people who are um yeah who have knowledge about data science uh so that that's a big difference with with working with a uh, big uh, plus for working with a consultancy company in my opinion and also of course there's a, a very broad uh spectrum of of customers and uh projects that you can do and every pro project has different challenges so different tool set maybe different techniques that you might use different colleagues different uh cultural um yeah, challenges so yeah that's something that you definitely learn a lot from so that's that that was the reason that i wanted to 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 work for consulting companies and still and I really enjoy uh, the work for for consulting companies. Yes. And to add there, maybe like in the morning, you're you're talking with an oncologist about pancreas cancer and how to diagnose it via CT scans using computer vision. And in the afternoon, you're talking to a guy from the shipment industry, which has a bit of big tattoo on his arm of a <laughs> talking about the natural language processing for for emails. Uh, that come in there quite often so that's what makes the the life really diverse i think and uh, yeah that's that's a cool life I yeah think. that's cool like uh, I, I, and how do you guys uh, in your experience how do you find like um in terms of how prepared companies are to to use ai tools and data science tools in their businesses like i find I, like i feel like there's a big there's a wide spectrum like even though it's you know, if you go on LinkedIn and if you're like, you, you see this, oh, everyone's talking about AI, everyone's talking about data science, blah, blah, blah. But um, in terms of actually putting that stuff into practice, mm -hmm. I feel like companies really, like, okay, if you're, for example, if you're uh, if you're starting a business now, or, or like if you're starting a business like a few years ago, you sort of have this in the back of your mind, right? It's like, okay, I want to set up my businesses and my processes in a way such that I can leverage AI tools, data science tools. So, so I want to make my data easily, easily accessible. It should be clean, like from the beginning, to make it easier. It should be well structured. Like, what are the things I want to measure? Where do I want to put my sensors, etc. But if you were a company that's been around for a while, right? Do you find that like there's still kind of 
actually this has been my experience because i've been i worked for like five years before i came back to university um they're not well prepared like they don't have the infrastructure in place to actually use these kind of things what do you think like yeah yeah so i agree upon that uh, it's maybe funny i started two years ago with with dedication um and i i started really as an ai machine learning company i thought everyone is looking for uh, great solutions in the field of ai and, and machine learning uh email when i was in the field i felt like okay no one is really ready for this so uh, we have to take it three steps back and that's why we introduced kind of a quick scan we we walked together with with some comp- with some companies we asked a lot of business questions business related questions and the things that came out there was okay we do have a lot of data uh but how can we get value out of it um so that was really the first step and the second step is then okay you have a lot of different data sources a lot of unstructured data structured data how to make a good infrastructure so then the data engineers uh, start to work um, from there on uh, the next step is some visualizations to make your data uh, using dashboards for example uh, and then finally and after one or two years companies are ready for cool stuff yeah yeah <laughs> exactly, exactly. yeah and, you know companies like people have been like any even in tech I'm, i don't know about tech but generally you have to sort of wet their feet with some like cool stuff you know <laughs> like show them some nice pictures be like yeah, look look at some good stuff we can do and if you put some stuff here we can do some more stuff we can be we can do more predictive things but um like so when you guys go work for a company or when you talk to a company how hard is it to figure out where i mean i guess this depends from case by case but where the maximum le- leverage is to like where can you apply something to like so you go see a company it's like okay you you, you do some initial exploration right and how do, what's the process to figure out okay like this is where we could plug this thing in and have some maximum return on on investment yeah yeah i think the the, the most uh, important part is there to ask a lot of questions and before you uh, start with a project just walk for one day uh, at the company to see what's happening over there to ask a lot of business questions and to also uh, sometimes they already want okay we want to use ai they don't know even what ai is right. but they want to use it and then first we have to say okay do you really want to use it or what is really oh, man. your business question Dude, that's so funny because like the more i the more i've learned the more i realize like dude you can answer so many of these questions with a linear with a linear regression like <laughs> you, don't, you don't need like uh, you don't like you know like the 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 cool thing the cool kids these days just throw a just throw a neural network at at at, at, at any at any problem and it'll solve it. <laughs> but yeah. like even neural networks is just it's just it's just a polynomial function right like generally mm. speaking like if you tell someone oh i can just fit a fit a polynomial to this problem they'll be like what the fuck no i want uh, i want a neural network bro what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, it can be good <laughs> yeah 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 but like that's that's interesting because like yeah if you want to solve the problem in um the most reasonable way right so like that's it that i want so that's cool so when you are considering options for an ai application what are some of the factors that you think in terms of like how complex should the model be like what kind of model should we use 
like is it i mean i'm assuming it's case by case by business but uh in terms of like maybe some businesses want it to be more explainable like okay i want you to be able to explain why this decision is made which mm-hmm. is kind of hard to do with let's say a neural network like what what are the what are the, what, what do you guys think when you have a problem with it um yeah indeed so um well in my experience most of the companies really don't care so much on on the technique so they just have a business problem and want it to be solved right and it's up to let's say the expert uh so the machine learning expert to to determine which model uh, suits the situation best um of course there are also some some companies that going to let's say uh, a conference or so and hear about ai and just want to have it uh but but i think in general most of the companies don't care about the the technique to use um and then it's up to let's say us to to determine which uh yeah, suits the situation best so based on uh, how much time you can spend on on uh, investigation or how the data uh, is already available or uh, uh maybe what the budget is or uh, how explainable it should be that kind of question so Therefore, it's so important to just first start asking those kind of questions without already uh, have the technique in mind and then trying to apply that technique. That's that's really not so important. You just have to understand the needs of the customer and then yeah, choose a technique that 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 fits that that situation. Yeah, maybe maybe I should have started off with uh, asking you to like to talk about dedication first because I because I just like completely like I just assumed everyone like I. Because I know what what you guys do. <laughs> so you want to describe what you guys do at uh, dedication real quick, just to uh, so we can backtrack and make sense of what you're talking about here. Yeah. Okay. So, um, dedication is a data science consultancy uh, firm. We have uh, like 15 colleagues, uh, one five uh, data scientists, data engineers. Uh, we have offices in uh, in Eindhoven at our campus, in the AI Innovation Center, and also in Amsterdam. Uh, near the, the VU campus at the, at the Zuidas. Um, and what we're doing is mainly project-based. We're uh, making solutions for all different kinds of industries. Like I said, the, the healthcare, shipment industry, soccer clubs, um, what more, uh, auto, automotive industry, um, all kinds of different solutions. And it mainly varies from... Um, like I said in the beginning, like a quick scan or a data strategy plan. Second step is the data infrastructure. Then uh, most of the time dashboarding, data analytics. And then the fourth part, which is the, the best part, we think, is, is the, the data science solutions. And then we have like four different fields. The first one is computer vision solutions. So photo data analysis. Second one is natural language processing. So text data analysis. The third one is uh, optimization techniques using AI to make uh, yeah, the most complex uh, uh, optimization problems easier to solve and faster to solve. And the fourth one is uh, we l- use a lot of time series data, for example, for uh, pre- predictive maintenance uh, nice. kind of solutions. Yeah. So uh, do you guys mostly work in the Netherlands? Do you guys work internationally? What's the like, what's the market like? Uh, yeah, most of the clients, I think like 90% is from the from the Netherlands. We have one big uh, client from America and we also have some clients from uh, from Belgium. Oh, nice. That's yeah. that's awesome. Um, yeah, like, the, the, like uh, yeah, you just mentioned off like a bunch of different fields, like the, uh, the, the, 
the the breadth of industries that are trying to use these things to get more efficient, more productive is huge, right? Like there's so many uh, different things. Like you, like what are like? Can you just give us some examples of the companies that you work with? Like just some different uh, companies. Well, I mean, you never tell your name. Tell the names we you can't tell them. Just like just the industries. Yeah, yeah, we we can say names. Uh, <laughs> uh, for example, ING, the, the bank. Uh, we did a lot of uh, dashboarding there and a bit data infrastructuring for the financial department. Um, for yeah, UMC Utrecht, the healthcare uh, project, we're we're doing investigation. Maybe Willem, you can elaborate on that. It's your project. Yeah, so uh, at UMC Utrecht, which is a, a universal hospital uh, in the Netherlands, and uh, we are trying, uh, we are uh, trying to improve the diagnosis of uh, pancreatic cancer there. So it's very difficult for for doctors and radiologists. Uh, to to uh, yeah, to diagnose people with pancreatic cancer, uh, especially in the post-operative uh, situation. So after the first operation, trying to remove all the cancer tissue, then there's a second diagnosis to to determine if the operation went well and all the cancer tissue was removed. That's really difficult for doctors and radiologists to to determine if if that's the case. And now we are uh, collabor- uh, collaborating with UMC Utrecht to improve that, that uh, post-operative um, diagnosis based on CT scans, which are actually just 3D uh, images. So um, right, right. that's also really, really interesting uh, case that, uh, well, yeah, also gives a lot of energy to, to work on, of course, because it's yeah, really... AI does uh, best. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like... How do you so if you're doing a predict so we we spent we had this AI ethics course right and like so before I did any of this I actually did an engineering degree so I felt like I was the only person in the classroom thinking like yeah these are all great ideas but like <laughs> you know like when you when you when the, when the when the rubber hits the road you actually build these things like what's the actual practical like what's the practical uh, cost and practical thing so like you know it's nice to sit in a class talk about ethics and like all these abstract things. So what I want to ask you is like, let's say you're doing this uh, thing with with Utrecht uh, for the diagnosis, right? Yeah. Or, or any predictive, any sort of algorithm-based predictive thing. Like how do you guys handle the liability stuff? Like what's the, like, I don't have a great question here, but I'm just trying to get an idea of like, oh, yeah. what's that like? like what, what's the conversation that, what is the conversation that you guys are having with your clients when it comes to who's responsible when it when you use these uh, algorithms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's of course, uh, especially in healthcare, that that that's really important. And uh, we are just at this moment, we are not in the phase that we already are uh, applying this algorithm in, in real world practice. But it's it's just uh, at this moment, it's in, in the research phase. So we're investigating if this. This is, uh, this is possible, but we definitely, of course, already thinking on uh, yeah, how good should this be? How how could we explain uh, the outcome? Comes so these kind of ethical questions definitely are important even in this uh, in this uh, phase already. Uh, so we have uh, like a, a group of people, uh, so, so some technical people like us, but also people from UMC Utrecht, uh, uh, 
the experts in the, in the field uh, who can already where we can already uh, discuss these kind of topics. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's definitely nice. I would say really really important, especially in the healthcare. To yeah, from from the first start of the project that you already take all the ethical uh, questions into account. Yeah, it's difficult, right? Like it's a it's a tricky thing. Like I mean, I uh, I know I know one of my professors back in so I was in the U.S. before this. Uh, one of my professors in the U.S. he was responsible for building like engineering smoke alarms and the smoke detectors, right? Mm-hmm. So like the amount of like liability and the life risk, life like uh, life and death consequences of his work with he, he i have a, i spoke to him like like on a podcast about it and uh, it's pretty pretty interesting um okay so you have you have you have dedication which is all this data uh, consultancy what about aerovision what's the what's the what's the what's the plan of that what is what is it first of all and what do you guys well, want to do a quick introduction and then you can you can take it so so for dedication uh, we're doing a lot of cool ai and machine learning implementations as well as data engineering and, and, and dashboarding but it's all for other customers of course so it's not really scalable as in um yeah so we were always looking at okay how can we can we think of a problem that is really scalable and and yeah has has pain for like a lot of different industries uh, so doing this consultancy, consultancy uh, projects, we see some potentials in the market. And that was always the goal of dedication to get also spin-offs out of the consultancy. And yeah, Willem had, uh, yeah, together with a great idea, Aerovision, and you can maybe tell a bit more about that. Yeah, so um, like I said, I work mainly in the field of computer vision. And what we saw there is that... Um, uh, although the application of the computer vision algorithm it can be different each, each in each situation, the algorithms and the underlying structures are like for ninety percent the same each time. But but you you only have to uh, yeah uh, give other inputs to the algorithm and then it gives another output. But the structures, the layers, the the network itself is more or less the same. And also what we experienced at a lot of different customers is that uh, it, it's very difficult for them to implement computer vision algorithms because yeah, it's technical, it's a black box, they don't know, they have the, don't have the knowledge. Uh, it might be a bit scary, it might be also uh, costly for them to, to implement their own customized solution. So uh, we definitely wanted to make that easier for, for customers. Um, so we were thinking about, uh, developing our own no code platform and also, um, yeah, we experienced that there are a lot of cus- uh, uh, companies popping up in the field of, uh, drones. So, uh, well, the flying objects that you can use, for example, for inspection of, of bridges or in the agriculture, there are a lot of drones used there or. Um, yeah, apartments or, or windmills. So, so there are a lot of inspections at this moment being done by uh, being uh, uh, being done by uh, by drones. And we wanted to make it easier for droning companies to uh, use AI to analyze all the drone footage. Right. And therefore, uh, yeah, we are uh, yeah, setting up the company Aerovision, which is uh, yeah a platform for drone companies to. Um, yeah, to be able to to implement AI solutions uh, their cool. self without having to have the technical knowledge. Yeah, like um, so, it's like uh, um, 
WordPress or uh, um, like uh, Foursquare for building your own AI platform. Uh, that's, that's a great, great idea because like I remember a time when to build your own website was like you have to know you have to know how to write like you have to know how to write code you have to know how you have to know how how to you have to know how the web works you have to know how to how like IP addresses work you have to know how to how all these like backend things work databases work now. You just log on to WordPress or uh, yeah. Foursquare or whatever it is, and just like drag and drop the nice little templates you want, the things you want, the backend you want, and like, boom! Like ten minutes, you could have a fully functional web. Like, shop, go to Shopify, and you have a fully functional uh, web store and like blog, and it's crazy, right? Uh-huh. So, like, so it's uh, I can see definitely see um, AI come becoming this kind of stuff. Like, uh-huh. uh, like for example. And that, that's that's one of the things I like about this field is like you can sort of democratize a lot of, and make intelligence much more scalable, right? Uh, one of the best examples that I that I give is that um, um, diagnosing di- di- diabetic diabetic retinopathy with uh, the scans of the eye. And you have AI models now that can do that with like better than human accuracy mm-hmm. uh, to diagnose uh, diabetic retinopathy. Diabetic retinopathy is damage to the blood vessels in your eye caused by diabetes. Mm-hmm. And well, and uh, now with just a smartphone camera and like a, or like a small attachment, you can uh, you can go to the place where you get your eyes checked for like your glasses, and they can do a thing, which is awesome because that used to be. A really expensive uh, procedure with like multiple trained physicians and like a whole thing, right? Which is not accessible to most parts of the world. Like here in the Netherlands, yeah, sure. In the US, yeah, sure. In you know, like developed countries, yeah. But like in Africa, Sri right. Lanka, India, real, real, these villages, you can't really do that. But right. now with like something like what you guys are building with AeroVision, let's say I'm I'm a farmer in Sri Lanka and like I need a way to freaking track my cattle as they wander around my property go online build a build a like uh, so like usually the gateway would be i would have a son (laughs) (laughs) son or a daughter who's like hey don't do it this way let me go show you how to do it this way and then like go online so that's what i do for my dad right like he's you know he's like he's like he's 68 now so like uh, whenever he's doing something like i'm like hey dude don't do that. Like, go do this. This is way faster. Yeah. And uh, so, basically, now if I'm a farmer, I can be like, okay, just go online. I'm gonna grab. I'm gonna go buy a drone, which are like now really cheap, right? They used to be yeah. crazy expensive. Now we can buy it for like less than the cost of a cell phone. Yeah. Buy a drone. Buy some. Go online. Sign up for one of, for for Aerovision. Boom! I have a thing that can track my cattle. Tell me what they're doing. Like all this stuff. Yeah. Like that's insanely powerful, man. That's yeah. like. That's got a potential to like really open up productivity for a lot of people. So I think, uh, that's, really, I think that's really cool. Yeah, uh, thanks. So like, uh, so what else do you guys have? Like, do you have anything else in the pipeline? Like, I mean, uh, AeroVision, obviously. So what? So you want to build that out to be like a standalone thing, like something like WordPress, so people can just come in, sign up, uh, pop their data in, and get and and get to work, right? Yes, indeed. So it it should be like a platform uh, that that can use on its own. But of course, we also need all kinds of integrations with existing platforms. So, for example, at this moment, uh, when you use drones, typically you you use, for example, a 
a fleet management tool where all the information that the drone gathers is is stored, like the the position of the drone and all the drone images, the images that you took and all kind of metadata of the drone. So of course we should also in, integrate with with these kind of platforms mm-hmm. uh, to be able to make it as easy as possible for for drone users to uh, well to implement and develop AI solutions. Um, so it will not be like a, well the the ivory tower uh, solution of course, but uh, um, yeah indeed it it should be a platform where where it is a, as easy as possible. Uh, to, to implement AI solutions within a day. That's what that's what our promise is towards our customers. Yes, that's awesome. Oh. Um, so, with in terms of you guys also mentioned you do, do you did you've done some NLP work, right? What are the kind of things that are peop- What are the kind of problems that customers are looking to solve in your in your experience with NLP at least? Yeah, yeah. So most of the time it's regarding emails. Um, so, for example, for the, the shipment industry, there is a lot of unstructured data going on, like more than 10,000 emails a day, uh, a shipment industry in Dutch is called Rederij Receives. Um, and it's, yeah, like it's a really old fashioned uh, industry. Mm. All, everything goes there with with just with a head uh, to say and um, like they are typing everything out loud in, uh, in open field boxes. So. Uh, for example, uh, they write, hello, my name is Ralph at seven in the morning. I uh, I will be at the Rotterdam Harbor with this so many tons of, of steel. And uh, <laughs> at, uh, at, at the afternoon, I will pass by and uh, I want to go to uh, Argentina uh, with so many tons of grain. Who, who can help me out with my steel and who has uh, grain for me? Bye, 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 bye. Best regards, uh, Ralph. With a lot of typos and a lot of uh, different abbreviations that don't exist, uh, <laughs> so it's the most unstructured data you can imagine. Um, and our task is then to yeah to, to write uh, an NLP that that picks out like the five most uh, important fields, for example, time of arrival, uh, location, and what is the you know, what what do they bring and what 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 are they asking for, uh, like the load. Um, and also for insurance companies, they get a lot of emails coming in. Um, they want to act live uh, on these emails. So, for example, when there is some kind of insurance that is not uh, is, is not that clear for, for the customers, uh, they get like 100 mails in the morning about this insurance and uh, they want to directly see, okay, what is going on? Where, where do we get the most of emails about? Um, for example, about this insurance, and then they can already uh, put it on their website in the, at the front page, more information about this insurance, blah, blah, blah. And that really helps to, uh, to because there are uh, like the, the employees, they, uh, they, yeah, they don't get that many emails then anymore. And also the, the customers are way more happy because problems are solved uh, way faster. So that yeah. are some NLP. I don't know if you have something to add there. Yeah. Uh, like you said, a lot of in, in uh, customer service, we have a lot of uh, customers there and we see a lot of demand for, from the market, uh, indeed incoming emails, uh, also uh, um, incoming uh, phone calls. So first you typically see in that, that situation for the speech to text uh, conversation and then NLP based on the, um, well, the generated the text actually. Uh, so that's also something that we uh, see quite often. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, what do you guys think about ChatGPT? 
like uh, yeah, it's great. Have, have, have you guys played with played, played with it at all? Or? Of course, yeah, and it's oh. great. Yeah, I think first of all, it's also great promotion for the field of AI. Yeah, like yeah, a lot yeah. of people now know what's going on, and uh, they they can experiment themselves a bit. Uh, and they yeah, like the adoption of AI really fastens, I think, and also for the education, it's nice because. A lot of companies now hear again of AI and they see, okay, maybe this is the future. Uh, I want to do something with it. And uh, like, it's also free promotion for, for AI consultancies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. And it's a really great tool, of course, to, to clear, yeah, to make your code a bit structured. Um, one of my friends, uh, one of my friends from Sri Lanka, he, he runs a really large corporation and he was like, hey man, is there any way to use these things like so my so the so, so, so that my executives can like ask basically 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 a chatbot mm-hmm. uh basically a chatbot that can uh uh like say okay hey what what was the like hey what what, what were the quarterly blah 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 for last year and the bot will just answer correctly right uh, so uh, a lot of these uh a lot of these applications cool okay uh, so anyway if i if i uh can, can add one more thing there so it's in gen- indeed i totally agree it's a very good promotion for for ai and that that all, all ai c- companies can benefit from it but it's also i think for the developer itself it's also a really good tool that you can use to become more productive to uh well to to help improve your code and to yeah, sure. to, to yeah to, to like I use it. I mean, I use it fairly. Like, I, I use the I use the VS Code plugin, uh, Code uh, uh, GitHub Copilot. I I use it quite a bit, but uh, only like I don't quite trust it that much yet. Mm-hmm. But I use it for like little simple things. Like, if I want to like write a quick loop to like do some really small things, something that I already know how to do, but I just can't be bothered writing the thing. I just say here, write a loop here. Take something that takes an array, moves it this direction, does this thing to it, and returns it. So that when I get the reply, I can inspect the code and I can say, okay, yeah, that should work. You know, like, because I know how to do it. I just don't want to write the whole thing to do it myself. So that's useful. Okay. Before I let you guys go, uh, just want to ask one last thing about like any, about starting your own business. Like what's the, like, if you want, like, I don't know, uh, any advice for someone or like any people who want to start their own business. Because you guys done, went from working for someone, doing your own consultancy, like, what was like the biggest hurdle or like the, how do you go, how do you make the decision? Like, okay, you know what, damn it, that's it, I'm done. I'm going to make my own thing here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. The, the only way to do it is to do it. <laughs> I, th- I think you don't have to think about it too much <laughs> and yeah. just start. And um, yeah, when you're really dedicated and you really want something, and you you wish for it you yeah if, if you uh, in the morning when when you wake up uh, it's the first thing you, yeah you want to improve you when you go to bed you sleep with it so it really has to become your passion and you really want to want to do everything for it then i think uh, yeah the only thing you can do is is succeed so don't think too much about it and follow your heart and i think mm. that's yeah, just do the necessary actions the required necessary actions you have no, to do I completely like that. That makes sense to me. Like, uh, it's like having a cold shower. It's like don't think about it too much. Just, yeah. just, just go do it. Like, because <laughs> if you think about it too much, you're not gonna do it. It's like this is not gonna, this is gonna suck. But if you just like just go do it, man. It's not a big deal. Yeah, uh, uh, indeed. All right, this has yeah. been awesome. 
I, I, I can only agree with that. Um, well, I think there are a lot of people with a lot of great ideas and most of them, well, already um, stop before starting actually. So, but that's, that's only in their minds that it's not a, a possible or that, that there are big hurdles or big barriers for them to not succeed. But if you just get started and are passionate about it and try to find the right people uh, surrounding you, then even if your, your initial idea would, will not be a great success, then at least you learn a lot from it. So yeah, just, yeah. well, Absolutely. Never stop stopping. And stop stopping. Stop stopping. And getting the right people, like you just said, it's also super key. All right, guys, yeah. this has been great. Uh, I'm not going to take up much more of your time. Thank you so much. I want to wish you guys the best of luck with uh, your upcoming projects and with Aerovision. Yeah. I hope it, I hope it works out. I, I'm really like I, I'm I like that idea a lot, and like I hope it really uh, comes come, comes to fruition. So, um, yeah, you. thanks again. And thank uh, you so much, Rudesh. Really nice uh, speaking to you. Thanks, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. I'll catch you guys. Uh, catch you guys next time. Okay. Yes. Right. See ya. See ya. Bye bye. This has been a One Deeper Podcast. Thanks for joining, and I hope you learned something. Catch you again next time.